Hello and welcome back to The Last Slice of Pizza. I am your host, James, and today we are going over the episode Transformation. It begins with a book opening up, and the book has like a Teen Titans logo on it. And the book is this episode's framing device, and it is narrated by Tony J, which is nice. I like that. He, It's a... They did a good job casting the narrator. It's it's a really good one. Rest in peace, Tony J. Anyway, so the story is about Starfire, who is described as an alien girl who lived on Earth in a T. She had many friends. She was strong, brave, and although she didn't think too much of it, she was very beautiful. Her life seemed perfect until one day... So... A big old blob appears out of her head and she freaks out. And that is when we get the opening. So after the opening, Starfire is looking in the mirror at the blob. She pushes it down, but it keeps popping up elsewhere. And she keeps doing this to no avail. She hears a knock at the door and it's Beast Boy. Beast Boy really needs to use the bathroom. And Starfire has been in there for about 20 minutes. And he also says he's not paper trained. Also, just a little small detail I noticed. The bathroom does have a gender neutral sign on it. So anyway, uh, Starfire says she'll be out soon. Beast Boy waits, but when the door opens, we see Starfire has attempted to bandage the blob. But the bandage pops off and the blob pops off. So she retreats, but Beast Boy tries rushing in, but gets, uh, like, you know, blocked. So Beast Boy tries to focus on anything else, but Robin is watering the plants, Cyborg is getting water for his workout, and Raven is using her powers to open up a waterfall. Beast Boy tries to distract himself by singing the alphabet, but he sees a plant, and when he gets to pee, he decides to do his business in the plant. It is a bit of a weird and out-of-place segment, but it is kind of funny. And also something you don't get much when, like, episodes focus solely on plot, you know? It's not necessarily a bad thing to focus solely on plot, but a good balance is welcome. So later, Starfire is sitting in the main area with a green hat on and talking to Raven about her concern. She is worried she has uranium measles, or her epidermis has been infested with Steiner mites. And before Star continues going off the deep end, Raven asks what this is about. Starfire cautions her and reveals the blob on her forehead. And Raven believes that it's a zit and says that everyone gets them. Starfire is relieved that she is normal and hugs Raven. And she says that she'll no longer feel afraid or ashamed. But then Robin walks in and she puts the hat back on. And Raven says that that's not really dealing with it. (laughs) So the narration comes back and says that that was only the beginning. Something big was happening inside this alien girl. So the next day, she grew tusks out of her neck. And we see her watching Cyborg and Robin play a racing game when that happens. She covers them and slinks off. And Cyborg and Robin are confused but just kind of shrug it off. And then, uh, the day after, her fingernails grew long and ugly. She's now wearing a scarf to cover up the horns, 
and Beast Boy had made an ice cream stack with a cherry on top. And then the change occurs where she gets long, ugly fingernails when Beast Boy is getting spoons and a panicked Starfire plunges her hands in the ice cream, ruining it, and Beast Boy faints when he sees that the ice cream is ruined. So the day after, she developed strange cravings. She has oven mitts on. She's looking through the fridge when a fly flies over and she uh, captures it. And it says, help me, before she uses a frog-like tongue to eat it. She then realizes that this is not how she usually acts and gets horrified. The changes keep coming. So Starfire is now held up in her room. She gets elf ears, scales on her body, and big hairy feet. Starfire concludes that my friends must not see me like this, or they'll think I'm turning into some kind of monster. I must never be seen again. Just then, the alarm goes off, and Robin calls to her that trouble is brewing and that we need to go. Starfire is worried, and she says, Please proceed. I will join you shortly. At a currently in-use football stadium, as opposed to the football stadium they fought Atlas at, uh, the... Currently ongoing high school football game is interrupted as the players, the cheerleaders, and the marching band members are being chased out by Plasmus. As they hide, Plasmus rips out a pipe from uh, underneath the stadium and starts drinking from it. The kids realize that that's a sewer pipe and are disgusted. Plasma is satiated and then is attacked by Robin who throws some exploding discs at him. And then Plasma reforms and Robin says, I don't know what's more disgusting, the way you look or what you drink. Plasma screeches and the Titans go on the offensive. Robin jams his bow into Plasmus, but Plasma spits it out and throws Robin against the goalpost. Cyborg tries blasting him, but Plasma reforms and jettisons Cyborg with some ooze. The ooze gets into Cyborg's nose and he blows it out and he says he's going to be smelling that for a week. While Plasmus gloats, Raven sneaks up behind him and ties him up. And just as she's about to finish up, Plasmus grabs her with some excess ooze and throws her. Beast Boy calls to Cyborg, saying it's time for the Beast Boy Blitz. He turns into an armadillo, and then Cyborg catches him. So Cyborg avoids some blasts from uh, Plasmus until it's time to throw Beast Boy, after which he gets hit. Beast Boy then changes into a rhino, but gets sent back into the sports aid coolers beast boy remarks orange flavored bad guy gross but strangely refreshing so as the titans start to rally to fight plasmus starfire rains down a hail of star bolts seemingly defeating plasmus and he like falls into the hole he created the others turn to congratulate her only to see that she's now wearing a raincoat and rain boots along with the rest of her new attire raven says interesting fashion choice and beast boy like compliments her but is unsure robin says you've been acting kind of strange lately is everything okay robin tries walking towards her but starfire backs up plasmus reforms getting a new form that isn't as drippy but has claw-like hands and multiple big green eyes everyone uh but star talks about how gross he's become like Like, I think Raven says, and I 
thought he couldn't get any more disgusting. And then, like, Beast Boy says, sick. And not in the good way. But then Robin comes in with, he's just a monster. And like every other monster, he has to go. This upsets Starfire, and she stands there moping a little bit. The others attack, and then Plasma shoots Gunk out of uh, some of his new eyes. Cyborg dodges, but Starfire doesn't. Her outfit is washed away, and all is revealed. The others continue fighting, but Robin stops and notices Starfire, causing everyone to also notice Starfire as well. We see a brief montage of the Titans, Plasmus, and the high schoolers all laughing at uh, Starfire, and it's getting to her. And then, like, during the montage, uh, she, like, tries to leave, but uh, she bumps into a TV, and we see what I think are people who worked on the show, plus Soto laughing at her through the TV as well. So she covers her ears, but that entire montage was kind of in her head because uh, Robin wants to help, but Starfire leaves, and Robin calls out to her to no avail. She leaves Earth and laments, I am truly a monster. The narration comes back saying, And so the sad, strange girl flew away into the cold, dark loneliness of outer space. And as she leaves, we see she leaves behind tears that make a path to where she's been. The narration goes on saying that Starfire didn't feel like she belonged on Earth with such kind and handsome people, but she couldn't go back home either looking the way she did. She decided that she needed a new planet to call home, one where the creatures were just as ugly as she was. Uh, she goes around uh, the galaxy to find different planets. The first two, a red planet and a blue planet, are scared of her, but the next two, green and orange, chase her off. And orange is, like, a small planet that, like, Starfire, like, sitting on it takes up half the planet and the creatures on it are kind of small but starfire leaves anyway so she finds that nowhere would take her in and decides to float into the deepest loneliest depths of space and the music here goes from like sad to harrowing as the scorpion like creature uh, follows uh, Starfire in the shadows of the asteroid field they're in. And the narrator remarks that she wasn't really alone. So back on Earth, Robin is looking up at the night sky from atop the Titan's Tower, and he calls Cyborg and asks when they're ready for launch. Cyborg says, about five minutes after you keep asking me that. So uh, they ready themselves on the T-Sub with rocket boosters, and Raven wonders if this is all right. Cyborg explains that the sub was made for deep sea, not deep space. Robin doesn't care and is determined to get Starfire back no matter what. So they ready for liftoff, and then the rockets fire off, and then they're lifted into space. The rockets drop off. Uh, Cyborg says, told you she was ready, and Raven's like, Wow. So uh, the music here is triumphant as well, and it switches back to Sinister as on a black and purple planet, Starfire is wandering around. 
She says that this planet is inhospitable, which would be perfect for her. Meanwhile, she's being hunted by some vines. When the vines reveal themselves to be connected to a giant carnivorous plant that is trying to eat Starfire, Starfire runs, but the plant gives chase. Once Starfire is captured, the plant puts her in their mouth, only to spit Starfire out, finding her too repulsive to eat. So, the scorpion-like creature finds Starfire looking at herself despondent in a local pool. We also see their head, and it looks like a skull. Starfire continues to mope, and then the bump turns into a full-on horn, and she wonders what is happening to her. A voice calls out, something wonderful. We see a beautiful lady in white with some bug-like features. Starfire gasps and says, she does not deserve to be seen by someone so radiant. The woman in white assures her that what's happening to her is normal. She invites Starfire to come along with her, and she will explain everything. Starfire, feeling hopeful for the first time since this all began, goes with a accompanying narration about that, essentially. So the Teen Titans are going through space, landing where Starfire has landed previously, and asking about her using Beast Boy as an example of what she looks like to, you know, get, you know, more accurate uh, data. And uh, since Starfire uh, looks different than usual, uh, Beast Boy is not exactly happy about it. So the last place they checked, though, is the green planet, which just chews them up and spits them out in the direction she went. So in a cave of crystals, the woman in white says, you are changing. Do you know why? Starfire answers, because I have a zit. The woman laughs and says, not quite. She leads Starfire to like an orb chair and then sits her down. She explains that Starfire is just going through the transformation, a normal part of any Tamaranian life cycle. Starfire is confused, saying that when her sister had the transformation, she just turned purple for two days. The woman in white explains that transformation happens differently to everyone, and yours is the rare kind where you turn into a chrysalis. Starfire starts the chrysalis process and wonders why she knows it. The woman says, because I'm a Cyrenillian chrysalis eater and the beautiful bug lady in white turns into the skull scorpion lady that we saw following Starfire earlier and Starfire screams in terror. The others are flying through a place that is popping out spikes and it turns out to be inside a giant uh, beast planet thing. And they push through to leave the beast. And Beast Boy remarks, she's definitely not in there. And Robin says, wherever she is, I hope she's safe. Starfire's transformation into a chrysalis continues. And the chrysalis eater is pleased because soon she will be at the peak of her flavor. And says, in the meantime... Keep screaming. It makes it more appetizing. <laughs> Starfire says she has no reason to scream, as she is so ugly that no one will take her in. 
The chrysalis eater says, I don't think you're ugly. The process completes and Starfire is now a cocoon fully. And the chrysalis eater says, in fact, you look good enough to eat. Before she can dig in, uh, the others find her and Robin attacks. The chrysalis eater attacks Robin, but Robin dodges and he tells the others to keep her attention while the others secure Starfire. They wonder where Starfire is, but Starfire calls from within the cocoon and they're kind of surprised by this. Though the chrysalis eater throws off Robin and sees the others carrying off the cocoon. She jumps to secure her meal and says, your friend belongs to me now. You can have her once I finish digesting her. So the Titans then counterattack, but it's a deadlock with neither side really getting an edge. So Raven then says, I think it's about time we wrap this up. And she controls some web to wrap up the chrysalis eater. However, she bursts out and pushes the Titans back. Robin sends more exploding discs her way, which throw her off. Raven then rains down some rocks on her, and the Chrysalis Eater then makes a play for Starfire, but Robin uh, slide kicks her out of the way and, you know, defends her. And the Chrysalis Eater is ready to attack, but the others strike first, and her attention is turned to them. Robin asks for confirmation that Star is in there, and she gives a slight worried breath. He fights to break her out, but Starfire says, No, you will not wish to see me like this. Robin assures her by saying, You're my friend. I don't care how you look. He finishes breaking uh, the cocoon open and then pulls a like little crystal up for Starfire and says, Besides, you look fine to me. Starfire looks into it and sees that uh, she has transformed back to how she used to look. However, beams shoot out of her eyes, startling her and says, almost normal. So the others are having a rough time with the chrysalis eater, who says that since they've ruined her meal, she will devour them instead. Starfire goes on the offensive and says, devour this and shoots beams from her eyes. And she keeps attacking and eventually knocks the chrysalis eater out of the cave back to the lake and at the lake the plant from earlier finds the chrysalis eater and eats them beast boy wonders when she could shoot lasers from her eyes starfire says since just now please don't reject me i'm mostly normal robin says you're exactly the way you should be no matter how you change on the outside you'll still be starfire on the inside and starfire is happy so they leave with the narration playing out and so the girl returned home with her friends and they lived happily ever after, at least until Beast Boy got the chicken box. And then we see Beast Boy as a chicken briefly before the storybook closes and the episode ends. So let's get into it. I have a lot to say. And, you know, let's just start with the obvious uh thing what this episode is about which is puberty and specifically puberty from a female perspective both as a function and as the social aspects of it so it kind of skirts the line by using an alien and a different system of puberty for the function but it is still tackling the whole like idea that you know 
major change is happening and like it uses that as the bouncing point to talk about the societal pressures of young women needing to present a certain way or do certain things or not do certain things or else they get ostracized while their body is changing and hormones are ravishing their body and it's a lot and they really hammer in on like the thing about monsters and looks during the fight with Plasmus and the continued embarrassment at each alien planet continues to escalate that. Just, you know, hoping to nail the lesson down here. Because, like, it is really important, but it's also hard to internalize completely because I am ashamed to admit that, like, I've had my moments of not being as nice to people as I could have. But I was also a victim of that too. And generally, I think I was good. I mean, I can't excuse everything I did in like middle school, high school. But if you can find someone who can, they're either lying, a saint, or a terrible person. <laughs> But that's just it. This whole thing is like tackling a big issue of like societal pressure in a time of puberty and a time of change and in a world that like sees women differently than men and sometimes less than men. A lot of times less than men. And it's it's kind of like this, sort of. Not, not like in the physical sense, but in the emotional sense. Where the physical sense is like burdening the emotional sense in this. Where like, you know, no girl is ever going to actually look like that. But... They, they can feel like that. And a lot of the times it can also be in their head as demonstrated by that like montage of everyone laughing at Starfire. And it's a lot to like process. And like th this episode like does well. It like hammers in something like Robin, especially like at the end when uh, Starfire says she's almost normal, Robin says you're exactly the way you should be and doesn't use the word normal at all. Like, I don't really fault this episode for it not 100% internalizing in the minds of, like, everyone who watched it because the problem they're aiming to tackle is much larger than what this show can offer as a solution which is not unique to this show it is not new to this show and the lessons you learn from any show or any form of media need to be reinforced and that this is only part of the solution but not the entire solution and if it was the entire solution i think we would have world peace by now but as i said this episode tackles it to the best of its ability 
and the episode as a whole is really compelling. And the framing device of the like narrative story is really good and like it's a really nice hook and I and I love it. And hmm, actually you know, sort of thinking about it now, it kind of plays into the idea that like you know, women want to be seen as like a storybook princess. But at the same time, Starfire kind of leans more feminine anyway. But at the same time, too, we know she's not like weak or a damsel in distress. Like, if it's a fight with a villain, she can handle herself. But the conflict in this episode is like, between her and herself and her perception of how the world will see her. So, all in all, really good hook, really good episode, really compelling episode. I love it. But we aren't quite done yet talking about this episode and what it does. Because we're also going to talk about production and continuity so just bear with me for a second it might get a little magic xylophony at the beginning but i promise there is a reason so in this episode starfire fires bolts from her eyes and her sister could do that and it's implied that uh it's the transformation as the reason she can shoot bolts from her eyes as well. But we see her do it in Date with Destiny. We see Starfire do it. So what gives? Well, there's the idea that she did it in Date with Destiny just out of sheer anger for the events of Date with Destiny. And uh, Wikipedia mentions this, but they also offer another explanation. So they say that production finished on Date with Destiny first and Transformation second. And that's why Date with Destiny aired first, because it finished production. But this posits the idea that Transformation was supposed to come first and then Date with Destiny. However, if you look at the production code, you can see that Date with Destiny's code is one number uh, shorter than Transformations. And it's not like they're subject to change either. You can also look at the production code for Season 1 to see that the production code is the same as the uh, way it appears on the DVD, the way that I did it instead of air date order. But I will state this now. I am not a production expert, so I don't know if the number comes from it starting first or it ending first or the intended order of the episodes. So why is this important at all if I'm not sure whether or not this was always meant to be the case? Or if it somehow changed and we just don't know, what is 
the reason. The reason is if Transformation had aired first, that would make it the third episode in a row about self-esteem post-Terra, which may be laying it on a little thick. So perhaps as a means to avoid that, they put Date with Destiny before Transformation. When they did, or how the production process works, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, there's still a through line with this and the Terra story, because despite it not being in a row, it's still the third episode about self-esteem post-Terra in the Terra season. So the crux of this episode is essentially, my friends won't like me, when they see that I'm just a monster. And that kind of goes into Terra's story as well. And also, similarly to Terra, Starfire ran away. And on one hand, they turned a sub into a rocket to find Starfire in the depths of space, but didn't chase Terra far enough when she was like running on foot through the Earth to get her back. And on the other hand, though, Terra had more of a reason to not want to be found. She felt like her trust was violated, whereas Starfire just does not understand what is going on. So Terra is more likely to, like, push back and, like, you know, say, no, please do not find me. Even though they both say, don't find me, Starfire is more one to listen to reason in that instance but that is just it these are all just pieces of a puzzle only human i'm not good enough for the rest of the team fear itself i might hurt my friends with my uncontrollable powers transformation everyone will reject me when they see what i really am those are applied to different titans that's cyborg raven and starfire but Terra encompasses all three, which is why, despite everything, Terra is still afraid at the end. It's why she's more proactive in not wanting to be found. So, for these three episodes, we see through a partial lens of what Terra is feeling, and that is the point. And it touches on the whole balance thing I sort of mentioned earlier. This episode is really good both on its own and part of the Season 2 Collective. On its own, if you were just finding something to watch and you just came across it, you could get into it right away. But it also links thematically with Season 2 and its overall story. And a lot of people talk about not liking filler, but filler has its place too, even when it is not thematically linked to the rest of the story. This is, but that's just how good the show is and how it can do all sorts of things really well. It knows how to balance itself. It knows how to pace itself for you know the limitations it had at the time. It, it knows what to do, when to do it. And this episode is a really good example of that. And that will be it for this episode of The Last Slice of Pizza. I want to once again thank the Unknown King for providing the theme song 
And be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they go out into space. And be sure to join us next time for the episode Titan Rising. I will see you then.